Hey, my name is BJ Blackburn. I'm the pastor of Elevate Church. Thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. We hope that this podcast encourages you, inspires you, and makes you fall more in love with Jesus than ever before. If you'd like to check us out, you can visit our website at www.elevatechrist.org. We would love to hear from you very soon. But for now, let's get into the Word. We are pumped to see what God is going to do today. Here's the message. Come on, is there anybody in here that feels like you're being chased by the devil? Come on, I ain't talking about your car running out of gas. I'm not talking about your car getting declined at Food City. That ain't the devil. That's life. Come on, don't blame everything on the devil. But we're going to read Exodus chapter number 13, verse number 17 real quick, and we're going to see some things. And it says, And it came to pass, when Pharaoh had left the people, uh, had let the people go, that God led them, watch this, not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was the easiest. One translation says that was the easiest. That says the closest. For God said, let's... What is that word? What does that mean? No, I'm seriously asking you. I don't know. This is a different, this is a different translation than I read. Let's peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. Verse 8, or next... But God led led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up hardened out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you and shall carry up my bones away hence with you. And they took their journey and encamped and eat them in the the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of the fire by night from before the people. Chapter 14. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they turn and encamp before, between Mount Dawn the sea and against something, before it shall encamp by the sea. That's actually in my translation. I still don't know how to say it. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. Watch this. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and, and upon all his hosts that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. The Egyptians are going to know that I am the Lord. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled in the heart of Pharaoh. And the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. Watch this. And they said, why have we done this? Why have we let them go? And he made his chariots get ready. And he took all the people. And he took 600 chosen chariots and the chariots of Egypt and and, and captains over all of them. So basically what's happening here, I don't know if you see this, but in verse 7... It says, you can leave verse 8 up there, but it says, in in verse 7, it says that basically they get all these chariots ready. There are 600 of them. Now, history says, I was up last night studying this, history says that on these chariots, most people think of a chariot, you think of, you know, the Egyptian races and all this. There's two horses pulling a little buggy that have two people. But most scholars believe that at this particular junction, when they had 600 chosen chariots, there were at least four people on every chariot, which means 600 times four is obviously 2,400, Okay. I don't know if there's any prophetic implications there, but I just believe that that's something uh, amazing that there was now 2,400 people on the back of this chariot chasing after God's people. Not only God's people, slaves. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, watch this, the king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out 
with a high lamb. But the Egyptians pursued after them. All the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army overtook them encamping by the sea. Verse 10, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were so afraid. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken away us to die in the wilderness? Have you brought us out here to kill us? Has thou dealt us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Verse 12. Is this is not this the word that we did not that we did tell these in Egypt saying let us alone, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it had been better watch this here's why the attitude problem arises all right Pharaoh says you're free Pharaoh changes his mind Pharaoh sends 2400 of his biggest militants after the slaves the slaves are now hearing the pitter patter of the horses and they're saying it would have been better for us to stay there because at least we wasn't going to die we would have worked and we would have sweated and we would have been miserable. But now they're going to kill us. And this is miserable. Would it not have been better if we would have just stayed in Egypt? God, did you bring us out here to die? Are you kidding me? Verse 13, and Moses said unto the people, Fear not, stand still. See the salvation of the Lord, which, will he, which he will show to you this day. Scholars say that Moses probably didn't believe what he was even saying right now because sometimes you've got to speak those things that are not as though they are. Moses was full of fear too. Moses has thought, Lord Jesus, you brought me to the Red Sea. I'm going to be dead in front of the Red Sea. Come on, they're going to kill me. I'm the leader of all these people and if Pharaoh and his army don't kill me, these people are going to kill me for bringing them down here and almost getting them killed. Whew, I couldn't say that again if I try. Verse 14. The Lord, watch this. Moses looks at all these millions of people fighting. He says, the Lord shall fight for you. And ye shall hold your peace. Verse 15. And the Lord said unto Moses, Why do you cry? Why are you crying unto me? Speaking to the children of Israel that they go forward. Moses, why are you asking me to do something I've given you the power to do? Stop crying to me. Take care of the situation. Verse 16. Ooh, it's going to get good. But lift up thy rod and stretch it over the sea and divide it. Watch the commandment he just gave Moses. Moses, take the rod, lift it up, stretch it, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground. But Moses, nothing's going to move until you do. Mm, come on. Verse 17. <laughs> and I... <laughs> And I shall, and I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians. Now this is God's task. Because in the Bible there's always something that if you do, God will. If you will, God will. Come on, if you shall confess with your mouth, then God will give you His Holy Spirit and you'll be saved. If you will, God will. And here's one of those situations. And it says, Moses, if you'll pick up the rod, stretch it over the sea and divide it, then I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow you. And I will get honor upon Pharaoh and all of his hosts and his chariots and upon his horsemen. You all are clapping over reading the scripture. You ought to read your Bible. It is this good every day. Come on. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when he has gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots and all of his horsemen verse 19 and the angel of God which went before the camp of Israel removed and went behind them and the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them verse 20 and it came between the camp and the Egyptians and the camp of Israel and it was a cloud it's the same cloud but now it looks dark 
but it gave light by night. How is a dark cloud giving light? Ah. So that the one came not near over all the night. Verse 21, I'm almost wrapping it up. And Moses stretched out of his hand. His, Moses finally got some faith and he stretched it out over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back. And the waters were divided. Verse 22, and the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground. And the waters were a wall on their right and a wall on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them in the middle of the sea. Even, though all, even all of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots and his horsemen. Verse 24, and it came to pass in the morning, watch that the Lord looked upon the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians, 25, and, it, and, and, and took off their chariot wheels that they drave them so heavily, heavily. Basically what happened is the water hit them so hard that the chariot wheels busted off. Let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fights for them. Verse 26, and the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thy hand over the sea. He has to say it again. Why? Hmm. Stretch out thy hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians. Okay. God, you asked me to stretch it once, and it divided. And now you're asking me to stretch it again before it will come back? Moses, I've given you the authority. Whatever you do with what's in your hands, what's going to happen? Hmm. Verse 27. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned, and the Egyptians fled against it. You know what the Hebrew says of this? Now I know what American thinks is that, you know, all of Pharaoh's army was already in the water, and then it just crashed in on him. But when it says the, the Egyptians fled, it basically they were running out to see what was happening, right? It's like a tsunami coming. But watch what happens in verse 27. And the Egyptians fled, and the Lord overthrew them back into the water dear God <laughs> it's going to get Pentecostal here this morning verse 28 and the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them that remained not even one verse 29 I'm going to end on verse 30 but the children of Israel walked upon dry ground in the midst of the sea and the waters were a wall unto them on the right and the left this doesn't make a lick of sense we just seen Pharaoh's entire army die Because the waters crashed in. But now he's saying, verse 30, that the Lord saved Israel. And the message translation says, as they were almost out. As they were almost out. The waters crashed in. As they were almost out. You look behind you. Whoa, shoot. Right? As they were almost out, the waters began crashing in. In verse 31, I'm going to end right here. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did. Whew. He saw it. Now he's not just reading about it. Now he's not just hearing about it. He had an experience. And Israel saw. Everybody got to see the work which the Lord did. And the people feared the Lord. That word fear don't mean they were scared to death to approach Him. It means that they were in awe. They were reverence. They were amazed at what God just done. And believed the Lord. Now not only are they just hearing about it. Not only are they just seeing it. Now they're saying, whatever you want us to do, Jesus, we're going to believe you. And, the, and they believed the Lord. And not only that, but Moses got some credibility back. They believed Moses. Because at this particular point, Moses didn't have much credibility. Moses, you brought us down to the Red Sea. You're going to kill us. We're going to die by Pharaoh's army. And now all this stuff is shifting in 
in his favor because God knows exactly what he's doing. Amen? So let me start over and ask the question. Does anybody in here feel like you are being chased by the enemy? Come on. Like I said, not everything that we count as the devil is the devil. Not everything that seems like the enemy is the enemy. Now, not to say that the enemy can't use a debit card being declined to get in your mind to make you frustrated to cause you to forfeit your calling for that moment. Listen, the enemy can use anything, but he's not after your debit card. He's not after your car. He's after your mind because he knows that the battlefield is in here. And it seems like everywhere you turn, things are happening. Every time you look up, it seems like a dark cloud you look around it seems like your family's falling apart you look behind you and it seems like you're stuck in your past and it seems like the faster that you run to get away from it the faster the enemy runs to catch up to you and you understand that the moment that you stop hey I would quit but I can't quit because I get trampled and the enemy has chased you and you've tried to persevere and I don't care how good of shape you are in after you've ran a while everybody gets tired doesn't matter if you run 64 miles a day once you hit 65 you're gonna be tired after you ran a while, doesn't matter how spiritual you are, how many times you speak in tongues, how many times you fall on the floor, after you've ran a while, you will be tired. You will feel overwhelmed. Is there anybody here who's just tired of running, tired of fighting, just tired of being sick and tired? Come on. I want you to be blatantly honest. Is there anybody in here who's just tired of something in your life? Come on. But what he didn't know, watch this, what the enemy didn't know in this story was that the chase was actually causing a change. Come on. The chase was causing a change. The chase was actually leading the Israelites straight to the miracle. Do you remember when they just told you that God himself did not take them the fastest route and he did not even take them the easiest route? God, what are you doing? Some Sometimes God will take you through the rocky place so that you can see his amazing grace on the way through. And the, listen to me. The enemy is dumb enough to believe. The enemy is dumb enough to believe that him chasing you will cause you to quit, will cause you to throw in the towel. But what he doesn't know is that the chase is causing you to run right into your destiny. Mm. If you don't believe me, look at this story. This is proof of this. The children of Israel are being chased. Everybody shout chased. By the entire army. They were being chased by 600 of the strongest chariots to be exact. And why are they being chased? Let's reiterate. They're being chased because Pharaoh changed his mind. Pharaoh had agreed to let the people go. But after pondering on it a while, he started thinking, well, who in the world is going to take care of the tasks that need to be taken care of around the nation? I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I've got to get all this gardening done. i got to take care of this palace. I don't have anybody to work for me anymore, so I can't lose my slaves. i got to get some stuff around here done. And so he sent his army to get his slaves back. Woo, I had to preach right there. The enemy considers you a slave to sin. And the enemy will pursue you every way he can, even though you've been freed. Jesus, old Pete. To try to get you to come back. And he has no authority and he has no power. But he does have a whisper. And if he can get you to believe what he's saying, then you'll forfeit what you are. Come on. And so the enemy is now chasing God's people. <laughs> Let me say this. I heard T.D. Jake say this. and I'm not taking credit for it, but this is amazing. That God only chase, uh, the enemy only chases you when you've got something to chase after. You don't mug a homeless man in New York City. There's nothing to take. But you do mug the person with the Rolex watch and the money and the blah, blah, because there's something to take. The enemy only chases you when there's something in you worth taking. Hell only sends its chariots when there's something worth taking. Hell only tries to take you down when you've got something to take down. And so they came down to the Red Sea as slaves. But when they would go through the Red Sea, they would come out as sons. Come on. They came down as slaves. They would come out as sons because the water in the Bible always represents the word. And it always represents transference because you cannot have a head on collision 
collision with the Word of God and something not change. You cannot be the same the moment that you have that encounter. And so they come down to the Word. They come down to the water. And they came down to the water as slaves. But once they come out, they are sons. It's a picture. I don't know if you see it of baptism. That as I come down, I'm one person. But as I go through, I'm coming up different. Come on. It's a picture of baptism. They would come down to the Red Sea with a slave master being driven by as slaves. They would come down with chains. But by the time they got out of it, what was chasing them ended up being drowned in the way that God sent them. Everything with God is strategic. Stop complaining about the path you are on. It wasn't the easy path. It wasn't the, the quickest path. But it was the right path at the right place at the right time. And they mumbled and grumbled and complained about it just like we do. But at the end of the day, God had it strategically planned to work it for their good. And by the time they got out, what was chasing them is now being drowned. Let me say this. Stop being worried and envious and jealous of anybody trying to take something that belongs to you. Say this. Say this. Look at your neighbor and say, this is a setup. Say it like you mean it. Say, this is a setup. We're going somewhere. Because anybody trying to take what God has placed on the inside of you will get drowned. Do you understand this? Watch this story. Come on. I, I'm not saying that God's going to physically kill them. I'm not saying that we don't serve that type of God. I, I don't, Lord, bless them and kill them. No, that's not our prayer. Come on. We are saying that God will take care of what needs to be taken care of to get you to where you need to go. Pharaoh was a master. Pharaoh was a bully. Pharaoh had such powerful decrees that he could decree everybody sit and the whole nation would sit. He could say everybody stand and the whole nation would stand. He would say kill the baby and they would kill the firstborn sons and they would take the children out of the mama's arms and they would kill them on the spot this is how powerful this king was and now he's put out a decree go get my slaves back and now the entire army is chasing the children of God can you imagine being a slave running from this powerful of a king come on look at how much bigger the thing is that is chasing you than how you see yourself nobody got that Look how much bigger the thing is, or it seems, that is chasing you than how you see yourself. They seen themselves as slaves, but they seen Pharaoh as a god. I'm just a slave. I'm going to be overtaken. You see this? And this is how most believers live. That the enemy is some ginormous, huge. He, he's going to kill you in a moment. He's got all the power and the authority. And you're binding Satan. No, no, and you're binding and rebuking and doing all this stuff. Not understanding that he's already beaten. And the only thing that he's doing is whispering. And he's trying to get your mind. Come on. He's already defeated. And so now you have the authority to turn that thing around. And you understand that most believers live in such a fickle place. So if he loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. I messed up. I, you know, he's going to use me today. Or he's mad at me today. And we live in this up and down balanced world but that's not how God wants you to live because until you know he loves me now you cannot be used effectively come on your past may be dark and it may stink and it may look bad and you may be embarrassed of it but I'm telling you God will use you now but you've got to believe it because as a man thinks whatever you're thinking is what you're going to become come on and we look at the enemy like this big we, we see him like a Halloween costume, big red horns, red face, pitchfork in his hand, ready to stab you every time that you mess up, and he's going to take you down because we have forgotten about the one word I talked about earlier. Everybody shout dominion. dominion. We have forgotten about the power that we carry because no longer are we slaves. Now we're sons, and when you become a son, you inherit everything that your dad has. 
Ooh, Jesus. Come on. You inherit everything that your dad has. Now we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ because now everything that he is, I have the right to become. Look at how insurmountable these odds seem. Look, 600 of the most powerful chariots that Pharaoh could come up with were sent. 2,400 of their soldiers, 2,400 militants, 2,400 of their biggest weapons and all the arsenal that they could pack. It's not like these slaves had anything to fight with. Pharaoh, why are you sending your biggest guns and your biggest bow and arrows? Why are you sending all this stuff? It's not like they can fight you with anything but their fists. It's not like they're carrying deadly weapons. But could it be that the enemy knows what, exactly what you have, even though you don't? And so he sends his most terrifying militants to try to get you to be afraid so that you don't realize that there really is a fight in you. That there really is a fighter in here. That there really is a Holy Spirit in here. Because he's trying to get you into thinking that you are a worthless nobody. But you don't understand that you are fully armed with the salvation. Come on. Put on the whole armor of God. You are fully armed with everything that you need to be. Everything that you need to become. Everything that he is is on the inside of you. And what's the enemy? He's trying to send all of his strongest forces into you to get you to understand that you're already defeated. But that's totally the opposite. He is totally defeated. And so he sends his best chariots to scare you into believing that you are unusable you have listen how many of you are just so come on be blatantly honest don't you dare be ashamed if you are just so overwhelmed and so just tired that you almost can't even sleep at night raise your hand just feel so much pressure just feel overwhelmed listen you have not had a sleepless night until you can hear the hoof prints in your ear getting closer and closer because that's what the enemy does. He makes it sound like it's closer than it is. He makes it sound like it's worse than it is. He makes it seem like it's worse than it is. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. I wish I would've. I wish I could've. I wish I should've. I, I should've done this. I should've done that. And it'd be replaying over and over in your mind. But this is what the Bible calls anxiety. Fearing something that's never even happened yet is anxiety. And Moses is a pastor. Moses is the leader. Moses has all this pressure on him. Moses has all these people's worries on him. And he's looking up to God, waiting on God to do something that God God's waiting on Moses to do. And he's saying, God, what do I do? And Moses is, or God's saying, Moses, I gave you the authority. Moses is looking to the heavens saying, what is the deal? Where do I go from here? And God says something so powerful. And it's so amazing. And it seems like it's just easy to read over in the Bible when you read it. But it's so amazing. He says, Moses, chill out. That's not really what he says, but it just, I'm adding it in. It's not like God looks down at Moses and he says, suck it up, buttercup. You're a man. Wipe him tears away and get over it. He doesn't say that. He says, Moses, what's in your hand? Oh, that's just a, it's a stick, God. Oh, is that all? Moses, do you realize that you have everything in your hand that you need to handle the crisis that you're in? It's not like Moses went to the Red Sea, dug in the sand, found the stick, and now he's trying to hold it up. The stick was already in his hand before he got to the sea. Because God equipped him before he ever went through it. Everything that you need, Moses, to go through whatever's trying to stop you is already, you're already fully equipped with. The enemy does not want you to believe that you're equipped, but I want you to believe it this morning. Say this. Say, I am equipped. Say it like you mean it. Say, I am equipped. The enemy does not want you to think that what God has given you is enough to overcome whatever's trying to stop you. Because what God gave you is enough. What God gave you is enough. What God gave you is enough. What God put in your hand. Come on. If you will stretch it out. 
and step out of your comfort zone, God might do a miracle in your life if you would stop playing church and stop settling for music and stop settling for a good sermon and you would take what God gave you and say, you know what, I have everything that I need to become all that I'm supposed to be in my hand. And when Moses discovered what was in his hand, instead of thinking that he needed something from somebody else, he realized, I'm enough. Most theologians say that this is a thing called the miracle of me. Historians say it's the miracle of me. That when you finally realize that I am not limited, I am fully equipped to be everything God called me to be. It's called the miracle of me. It's a dichotomy. It's a shift in your mind to where you think, oh my goodness, I really am loved. I really am chosen. I really am anointed. I really am appointed. I really am powerful. I really do carry the Spirit of God. And Moses is looking at God saying, what's next? And God's looking at Moses saying, what's next? I gave you the staff. Totally up to you what happens from here. You can stand there and get trampled by Pharaoh or you can use what I gave you to get you out of this situation. Come on. Moses, I gave you whatever you need to handle the problem. If, in fact, I would have never even allowed you to go to the problem if you wasn't fully equipped to come through it. The fact that you are facing a problem right now is a sign that God's already given you the power to overcome it. Come on. If God, if you are facing a problem right now, God has given you everything in your hand. Mm, why do you think it says lay? There's something powerful about a hand. And God said, Moses, the problem with you is that you have not gripped what I've given you. Because we've got a lot of people just taking our callings like this. It's not really enough. God can't use me. And God says, Moses got to grip that thing you've got to take some authority and take the calling that I've placed in you it might not you might not be able to sing like Susie but Susie can't preach like you come on everybody's got their own unique calling everybody's got their own unique purpose everybody's got their own unique way and you need to stop thinking that you're waiting on somebody else Moses you keep thinking that your gift and your intelligence and, and, and you're just absurd and that you're not intelligent enough you're not gifted enough and he's saying that's not true grip it. everybody shout grip it Moses, you keep thinking that your help is out there in the someday, but what you don't understand is it's right here, right now. Grip it. Everybody shout, grip it. So you're looking for me to move, and I'm looking for you to move. You're praying to me to do something that I've already given you the authority to take over. Everybody shout, grip it. Moses, watch this. How many times have I told you, this is me speaking to you now, how many times have I told you that there's a, a, a harvest connected to your calling? There are people that watch you. There are people that will follow you. And there are people that will do what you do because there is a harvest connected to your calling. And God is now reminding Moses of this. And he said, Moses, when you move and when you grip this thing and take authority and power, when you move, every person behind you will step into the breakthrough. Every person that's connected to you will not have every person is going across. Moses, when you move, everything that's been laid up in chains and shackles is going to get their breakthrough because that's the path I Come on. God is saying, Moses, stop waiting on me to move. You got people behind you waiting on you to move. Everybody shout, grip it. Woo. Moses, the power that is needed to free the people is in your hand. Grip it. Everybody shout, grip it. And when Moses discovered what was in his hand, watch what happens. Something awakened, and he stopped saying, God, do it. And he went. And he stretched it. Everybody shout this out. Grip it. Grip it. 
and stretch it. And when Moses discovered that God had given him supernatural authority to take over whatever was trying to take over him, everything that was in his way had to move Because Moses wasn't in this fickle place anymore. Does he love me? Are you for me? Did you bring me down here to die? He said, no, I'm going to believe God. Trust him at his word. This thing can sit. Everybody shout, grip it. Grip it. Stretch it. Grip. Ooh, this is good. Look at your neighbor and say this. Say, you got enough. Uh, say it like you mean it. Say, you got enough. Mike, you got enough. I know you ain't got a neighbor, but you got enough. Come on, you can, you can play, Mike, if you want to. And as soon as you grip what God has given you and stop wishing that you could be somebody else in the church, stop wishing you could be some superstar in the church, stop wishing that you had their calling or you could look like them or you could have their car or you could have their house. I wish I had their money. And God is saying, if you'll just grip what I gave you, it's just as unique as what they carry. The only difference between you and them is that they have gripped it. They've gripped whatever I've given them. They've gripped their calling. They've gripped the authority. They've took dominion and said, I will not be just normal any longer. Say this. Say, grip it and stretch it. Watch this. Follow me. Anybody getting anything? You can stand up all day, but if you ain't getting anything, it ain't going to change. I'm trying to get you to believe that there was a dominion in you where you say, I'm going to grip it, and I'm going to stretch it. And you may be stretching in fear, and you may be trembling as you're trying to stretch it. But, baby, I believe that when you stretch things, all the demons in hell are looking and saying, don't, don't, don't. And they're trying to hold you back. But when you finally get enough authority and power, and you say, you know what? Greater is he that is in me. And when you stretch it, watch what happened. A miracle took place. And the water's divided. What was trying to hold them back is now. Whew. Say this. Say grip it and stretch it. And the Bible says that when he gripped it and he stretched it, that the waters moved. And everything that was trying to hold him back moved out of his way when he finally took dominion. And said, today, I just so happen to believe I serve a God that can do a miracle. I also believe that I serve a God that has given me every right and authority to be his son here on earth. And I also serve a God that has given me, he's made me an heir and a joint heir. And I'm going to take my dominion and my authority and I'm going to stretch it and believe that as I stretch, God moves. I don't know why most of us don't do this. Because we don't believe this is enough. Well, one day, God, when I get my act together, you know. What's this? I mean, this ain't going to make an impact. God, my, my, my little finite calling. Are you kidding me? You really want me to do something? I, I don't have anything to say. I don't have anything to do. I, you don't believe it's enough. But you want to know what you do when you act like what God has given you is not enough? Is you tell God that he's, well, you don't even know what you're doing. God formed you in your mother's womb with a seed already in you. To become nothing but great. 
doesn't mean I'm not saying that you're going to be the next Billy Graham and you might not be the next Billy Sunday and you might not write a book that's going to change the world but you can change your circle of people and you can influence and impact the, the people group that God's put you with I'm telling you everybody don't have to be an evangelist everybody don't have to teach children's church everybody don't have to have a microphone but when you finally step up to the plate and say you know what I might be small but he is big in me and I'm going to grip it and see what he can do with what I think is small everybody say grip it and stretch it and the children of Israel are now standing here with this dilemma they've ran and ran and ran and ran and ran and ran and now Pharaoh says go get my slaves back go get my slaves back they thought they were free for a moment but I'm coming isn't that how the enemy works I finally beat this addiction you get home by yourself and the first thing you think about is that addiction you thought you was free for a moment but here you can hear the hoof prints. They're coming. And now you find yourself being full of anxiety, full of fear, full of doubt. God, how am I going to get out of this? I don't want to overdose. I don't want to do this. I don't want marital problems. But here I am. My back's against the water. And most scholars believe that the water they would have had to swim through was nine miles wide. So there was no way they could swim nine miles. They would have drowned. And so now Moses is standing there with the dilemma. He's saying, I'm a pastor, God. You took us on this route. You took us on the uneasy route. You took us through the rocky places to get me here. I don't understand. God says, Moses, what you have will never become enough until you grip it and stretch it. Staying in your comfort zone does not work in 2018. You've got to grip it and stretch it. The power of what is in your hand will not be released until you grip it and stretch it. As long as you sit there, Moses, and think the enemy is going to kill you and you don't, throw, you don't stretch it out over the sea, there's not going to be a miracle take place. But the moment that you grip it and you stretch it, then the thing that I put inside of you will release a miracle around you. But you've got to grip it and stretch it. And you know how the story goes. The children of Israel stepped into those waters as slaves. And when they stepped on dry ground, the water was standing on both sides. That in itself would be amazing, wouldn't it? Would you walk through what in the world? Imagine going through water on both sides of you, dry ground. And there's a miracle, but there's also a problem. There's a miracle here. There's something chasing you here. I got free out of this situation, but I'm still struggling with that one. Because anytime there's a miracle, the enemy will always remind you there's a problem. And so now God is doing a miracle and the children of Israel walking across on dry land. But in their ears, they hear the pitter-patter of the hoof prints chasing them. The chariots are coming. The chariots are coming. The chariots are coming. You better run faster. You're going to die. And so now the miracle doesn't look so miraculous. Because what used to be, God, you're amazing, is now... Oh, are they here? And the enemy has a way of whispering so loud that you'll turn what was amazing into fear. They're coming. The chariots are coming. And the power, Moses, will not be released until you grip it and you stretch it. And this right here, what I'm preaching on, is called dominion. When you take the spirit of the living God inside of you and you say, you know what? I thought of myself as trash long enough. I'm going to see myself as valuable because you created me as a masterpiece. You created me fearfully and wonderfully. And I'm not just going to sit back on the couch eating potato chips any longer. I'm going to step up to the plate. And it may not be as beautiful as somebody else. It may not be as smooth as somebody else. I may not be able to preach like somebody else. But 
whatever it is, I'm going to grip it and I'm going to stretch it until I see God make me become everything that I'm supposed to be. And the children of Israel are scared and they stepped into those waters as slaves and they're going through as slaves and Pharaoh came down to the Red Sea to chase them. Can you see this in your head? I, 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 I have a, I see pictures and I see now water on both sides. The sound of the chariots. The miracle. The fear. And there are people in this room right now where there are miracles all around you, but the one thing inside of you is stopping you from seeing the miracle. The fear, the doubt, the anxiety, the marital problem. All that stuff. And Pharaoh came down to the Red Sea to chase them, to kill them, to stop them from getting to the other side. And you start thinking, all right, Pharaoh is trying to stop them from getting to the other side because on the other side is their promised land. Could this be why in the New Testament, Jesus, while there was a storm, he said, we going to the other side. Because I watched my kids be full of fear over here. And now I see them being full of fear because of a storm over here. And now I need you to know that I'm not some far distant God. I'm in the boat with you. And we're going to the other side. Woo. I'm not letting the same fear that held them back or almost stop them stop you. We're going to the other side. And Pharaoh, <laughs> I love this. I'm almost finished. Pharaoh and his chariots, they went across on dry ground. If you, if you read the scripture, they actually... Pharaoh and his, so you got the Israelites up here. Pharaoh and his chariots are somewhere right here, which is amazing to me that Pharaoh and his chariots, I don't know how long the journey was, but Pharaoh and his chariots, the horses couldn't catch up to mortal men. Close. They couldn't do it. Something supernatural is happening. And now the Israelites are walking across on dry ground but what they don't know is right a few steps behind them now the chariots and all of Pharaoh's men have stepped onto the same dry ground that they are walking on they don't know how close it is but they do know it's close they are just trying to get to the other side because they believe that on the other side something's going to happen they believe that on the other side something's going to take place because listen and Pharaoh and his chariots are not running through the same dry land that God has sent his people on because God held back the waters to make the enemy think that he could go the same way that he sent you come on if you don't see this by now I want you to know this is a total setup this is a setup this is a setup by God this is a setup for God to let you see who he really is the waters the scripture says went hither and thither I don't understand what that even means but they went somewhere and Pharaoh and horses they drowned in the sea when it says Pharaoh and the horses, Pharaoh was not one man. It's not like BJ or it's not any of that. Pharaoh was a title. It was a headship. It was like a king. It was the title of the, it was their president. It was their Pharaoh. It was not one man. Pharaoh was a title. Do you understand that? And so when Pharaoh drowned in the sea, the scripture just told you not one of them got out. What it's telling you is the whole stinking system that was trying to take you out. Is now drowning. So you begin to ask, and if you've never heard the sermon, you need to go rent it or watch it. But you begin to ask, why did God bring my enemies down to the water, the same water? Because demons can't swim. And so 
so God, what's the deal? What's the deal? But God had it all planned out. He had your purpose all planned out. God has brought you down to the water because he knows that the devil cannot swim. And it took you a while to get there. And it's taken you a lot of sleepless nights. And there's been a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety. And you don't know how you're going to come out. But I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus, you are going across. I know hell's tried to stop you. And I know the whole system feels like it's going to collapse around you. But you're going across. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going across. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, I'm going across. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, I'm going across. And then you go on and you begin to read. And the next chapter, the children of Israel are now across. And they're standing on their promised land. They are st- they're standing on the land that God has sent them to. And they finally made it across while their enemies had drowned and now you go to the next chapter in chapter number 15 and it opens up and it says that Moses and all of his followers started singing a song unto God then you go to the end part of 16 verse 17 I think it is and you start seeing a lady named Miriam she has a tambourine and she's over dancing her head off beating that tambourine and I'm telling you I'm telling you but I, I, I believe there's a correlation I believe that not only did she grab it then I believe that she was grabbing it while they were still drowning I believe that there was a correlation between her praising and them drowning I believe the more she praised the deeper the water got I believe the more she praised and she, people were looking at her like a fool and some of people think that you come to church to get a chill bump some people think that you come to church because it's an emotional feel good but I'm telling you that the moment that she began to praise the water got deeper because I'm telling you praise is your weapon and if you don't always have praise on your lips you'll forget about the dominion in your heart they're tied together the chariots are coming but Moses you got exactly what you need in your hand to take them out stretch it and grip it and now they're on the other side. Moses is looking back. And he's saying, God, I see them. They're coming. Do something. Make the waters do something. And God said, uh-uh-uh. You do it. You've done it before. You can do it again. You know I'm with you. Stretch it and grip it. So which tells me that what God is teaching you in this season will always be used in that one. Never forfeit the path that God's taking you on because you'll need here what He taught you over there. And don't belittle yourself. You may have been a drug addict, honey, but a drug addict is not who you are. Come on. Say this with me. Say this with me. My do. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say my do. Never changes my who. What you do does not change who you really are. Sometimes you go on a different path because of the choices that you make, but at the core of the being, God says, I look at the heart, not on things. What you do doesn't change who you are. And watch what Miriam began to sing. And I close here. Watch this. She began to sing. He has won a glorious victory. He has thrown the riders and the horses into the sea. He has won a glorious victory. He has thrown the horses and the riders in the sea. Come on, somebody needs to understand that what God has given you is enough. What God has given you and what you carry is enough. Stop waiting to become something supernatural. God has given you something supernatural, baby. And if you'll stretch it and stretch it and stretch it and grip it, what God has called you to do might unlock an entire generation. It might unlock your entire family. If you'll stop looking at yourself, well, I'm just Vanessa Grace. No, honey, you're a woman of God. You're called. I'm not just Angela McGraw. I'm a woman of God and I'm called. And I'm going to take what 
what God has called me to do. I'm going to grip it, grip it, and I'm going to stretch it until I see a miracle. I'm not waiting anymore for God to do what He's called me to do. See, God only acts in the supernatural. God will not do the things that He's given you the ability to do. God's not going to pick up a cell phone and call and ask for forgiveness for somebody that you hurt. That's your job. God does stuff that you have no ability to do. He acts supernaturally. But the things that He's given you the ability to do, baby, you better grip it and you better stretch it. Because what you think is small, little is much. God's in it. Hmm. Some of you right now, even after a sermon like this, all you hear is footprints. Hoofprints. Because why? The, end of the scripture says that as soon as the word is spoken, the enemy comes to try to snatch the seed. Because he does not want it to take good, he doesn't want it to produce fruit. He doesn't want it to do anything. Because if he if you if you become everything that he's that you're called to be, then he's already defeated. So right now there are people in here that all you hear is hoof prints. Listen who you used to be. Don't you know what you used to do? Don't you know that that fear, you'll never get over that fear. You'll always be stuck in that situation. Stop. Look at your God. He brought you down here and he's abandoned you. Where is your God? God ain't good. And it's caused you to almost lose your faith. Hoof prints. Running. In your mind. Everybody stand with me. Close your eyes, and I want you to say this. Say, grip it. Oh, come on. Say, grip it and stretch it. You're not as useless as you thought you were, are you? Moses. (laughs) Think about who Moses is. Moses, the scripture says, in the beginning, when God called Moses, Moses didn't even want to do it because he had a... Do it, do it, God. The scripture says that he didn't even want to go talk to the king because of his stutter problem. And God says, Moses, if you'll grip it and stretch it, I'll use you. And now the kid that was useless or seen himself as that way is now the pastor over here standing with millions of people following him saying, we go on a cross. Imagine the calling he could have forfeited if he would have not believed God. When I say that God can do exceeding and abundantly above anything that you could ever dream of, that you could ever ask about, your eye has not seen and your ear has not heard what God has in store for those who love him, you better believe it. The scripture says that because God wants to do those type of things in your life. But you can't make every excuse. Well, I can't teach children's church. I don't know how to talk, talk to kids. or I, 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 can't, I can't serve at church. You know, people know my past, my background. I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be that. I don't want... And the enemy is hoofprints. 
getting you to stay stuck in the same season when God's wanting to take you from glory to glory and faith to faith and bigger and better and he wants to elevate you every season of your life I'm telling you you may be on a rocky place right now it may be like the driest barrenest land that you've ever seen in your life but I'm telling you that God is up to something that God is up to something and maybe just maybe in that dry season God is waiting on you to take the authority that he's already given you and stretch it and grip it and to and, and, and look at the devil square in the face the one that you've been hiding from the, the scars that you've been hiding from the, the sins that you've been hiding from the things that you've been trying to hide under the bed where nobody would see and you've been trying to put on the makeup so everybody would think that you're perfect and you've been trying to drive the nicest car so everybody would think that you're happy and, and you'll be trying to do all this stuff you're trying to cover it up and God's saying stop the cover up grip it and stretch it watch what happened when Moses finally done what God has given him the authority to do, not only did the children go across, but if you go read some Hebrew literature, it talks about how the Egyptians believed. The Egyptians. The, these are the guys that were trying to kill him. They're now believing on this God that he serves. Because he gripped it and he stretched it. Everybody throw your hands up here. Father, I thank you that in my mind I had this sermon playing out a whole different way, but it's it's better here. Father, I thank you that the peace and comfort of the Holy Ghost is flowing through this room right now. And there are miracles taking place on the inside of every person. Miracles taking place in marriages, miracles taking places in homes, miracles taking places all over. Father, I thank you that doors are opening and people are going to see how good you are. But God, I thank you for boldness on the inside of all of us that we are going to understand that we have a dominion and we have authority and we have power. And we're going to grip it and we're going to stretch it until we see everything you want to do throw your hands down just give me five give me three more minutes come on everybody keep your eyes closed if you are in here come on this is my favorite part of the service if you are in here this morning and you say you know what I don't understand why why I've been running like I've been running I don't understand why I've been scared like I've been scared it's just like an internal anxiety it feels like I'm always going to be stuck. It feels like the enemy's got me trapped. And, and yeah, yeah, I'll be honest. I've almost lost my faith. I've almost wanted to throw in the towel. I don't understand why I keep having the same struggles, why I keep going around the same mountains, why I keep going in the same valleys. I don't understand. But this morning, I came to realize that maybe, just maybe, if I grip it and stretch it, something will move. If this sermon spoke to you in any way, only count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three most hands in the room. Say this with me. I will grip it. I say it like you mean it. Tell, tell all of hell. I will grip it and I will stretch it. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, you and your life, as dark as your past is, as fuzzy as your future is, your right now matters more than you think it does. And when you leave here, when you leave this building, you're going to have to put into practice what I just preached, that you're going to grip it and you're going to stretch it. 
Come on. If I would have got up here this morning and, talk, and, and spoke about how we going to take back everything the enemy stole. Woo, he's got to repay seven times. Y'all be running the house. But a lot of people don't like it when God puts the, hey, if you want a miracle, it's back on you. You got dominion. But I'm telling you, this is where breakthrough happens. These are, this is where miracle happens. When you say, you know what? I actually believe that the Spirit of God lives on the inside of me. I actually believe that, the, that He is bigger than the problems I face. I actually believe that God has called me for whatever I go through. I actually believe that God has fully equipped me for whatever He's put me here on earth to do. I actually believe that God's not just going to let me obtain it. He's already given it to me. I actually believe that I don't just have to stretch for it and continually beg for it. God has already given it to me. God has put everything that you need to be, everything that He's called you to be on the inside it's up to you to grip it and stretch it lay your hands on your neighbor father thank you for the sweet spirit of God that's moving through this room I speak right now father that no longer will we wait for you to do what you called us to do but God we're taking our dominion and we're taking our authority and God we thank you that this is the last time that we will allow the enemy to whisper in our ear to make us feel like we are nothing, nobodies, and fully defeated. Because, God, we know the total opposite is true, that we are the head, not the tail, above and not beneath, blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed coming in and blessed going out. We are called. And, God, there are so many times that most people in this room, we feel like we're on the verge of our breakthrough, that we're walking across on dry land, but all the while in the back of our minds and in our ears, all we hear is the pitter-patter of the hoof prints that are chasing us. Your past. But this morning, God, I believe that you have given us the power and the authority to completely annihilate putting those things down. Forgetting your past, press forward to your future. Come on, I heard a sermon like this. He said, sometimes you have to wake up and when the scripture says, forget those things that are behind you, it's easy to forget them for a moment, then they come right back. And you think, God, what's happened? But that word in the Hebrew means forget, to 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 forget. Which means every single day you've got to wake up and re-forget what you've already forgotten. That I'm not that person anymore. And the enemy will try to smack you in the face with it every chance he gets. And then you've got to re-forget it all over again. But God, I thank you this morning. That the Holy Ghost of God is going to empower us. And Father, we're going to walk in the authority of a believer. Father, I thank you we're going to become everything you've called us to be. Father, I thank you that now we understand that we have the full dominion. We have full authority. We have full power. Because God, we know that you're not some puppeteer up in heaven controlling our every move. There's this thing, God, and it's called free will. And you've given us the choice to choose our path. But God, at the same time, you see the outcome. You see the end from the beginning. You see how it's all going to work out. And that's why you have the right to stand in heaven and say I already seen your past I already seen it all I see your future too and that's why you can honestly wholeheartedly say that it all works out for the good of those that love God because I've already been in your future and it's going to be okay it all works out Moses grip it and stretch it and watch me move I'll do a miracle in your life if you'll take the authority and believe that I can. Father, we love you and we bless you. And you're an amazing God. Thank you, God, that nobody's going to leave this place empty.
we're all full of joy, full of hope, full of peace, and full of word. And God, we've been reminded that our enemies cannot swim, and they're going to be drowned. Every time you open up the word of God, you want to know how to get the water in your life? Is you open up the word of God, and it will drown your enemies. Stop praying for God to send water while you won't open the word. Come on, get in the word this week. And I promise you things will shift. Father, we love you. We bless you. You're an awesome God. In Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap.